So uh, today, you know, just, man, thinking about and praying about, okay, Lord, what what kind what is it you want me to share with our people to help us navigate the times that we live in you know it's it's as a pastor you know there's there's a lot of different dynamics to be honest that that are going on i look out and i'm thankful for all of you that are here and and you're back and 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 you've been coming back and being a part and i think about the ones that aren't ready to come back and i think about the ones that just haven't come back you know, and, and as a pastor, your heart is for your people, and, and you want people to succeed. You want, you want the church to overcome. You want the church to fulfill their destiny and fulfill their mandate, and your mandate is, is more than just coming to church, even though that's a part of it as we gather together as the church. There's more that God wants to do, and um, just thinking about, you know, the virus, thinking about um, the, 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 the racial unrest and, and the injustice, but also the, the, the rioting and, and the things that, to me, take away from the whole message of injustice, you know, and, and being able to see, uh, see that change, amen? Um, and then looking at just the church as a whole in, in society and where we are, um, you know, because I, I mentioned it, I don't know, it may have been Wednesday or last Sunday, you know, but, but they um, passed an ordinance in California where they said the church said, well, in church you can't sing anymore right now. You can't sing because of, you know, you can, you can, you can go outside and, and get in large groups and yell and scream, don't get offended by that, but you can't sing in church. There's a problem. Now listen to me. Um... And, and I want you to understand this because there are, there are real things that are going on in our nation right now. There, there, there is injustice. And if you just kind of close your eyes to that and say, well, you know, there, there's just none of that going on, then, then, then you are not being a child of God because you're not opening up the bowels of your compassion towards your brothers and sisters, Okay. And, and I'm, not gonna, I'm not here to preach on that this morning, but I want you to understand that. But on the flip side, the enemy will take any opportunity that he can to pervert and twist anything that God wants to use to bring good. The enemy's going to try and pervert that and use that for destruction. That's the only way that the enemy functions. He knows no other way but to steal, kill, and destroy so you have these, these extreme dynamics that are going on, and if you and I aren't careful as a body, we'll shut up the bowels of compassion where we're supposed to, and we'll get hung up and distracted in the things where we're not supposed to. Are you listening to me? That we've got to pay attention and make sure that we are steady with who we are as the body of Christ. Because if we'll just be believers and be who God's called us to be, then we can bring healing. We can bring restoration. We can bring those things that God is, has always desired and see that come to uh, the forefront. Because the church is, is, is more guilty than the world. Amen? Amen? And so, you know, as I'm praying and saying, okay, Lord, you know, what, what do we want to look at and, and how do we want to face this? And, 
And, and the Lord just dropped this passage of scripture in my, in, in my spirit, and, and I just want to share, and I believe it's going to be simplistic enough for you and I to be able to know that I can leave today and apply this to my life, but also I believe it's powerful enough that it'll carry you through anything that we're going to face. And um, let me just say this just briefly. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not on there a lot, but I'm on Facebook I've seen lots of the videos that are being passed around, okay? And I want you to understand, and I've been telling you this for a while now, and that is is that this is not over, okay? I'm not saying that out of fear. I'm not saying that out of threatening. I'm saying it, that it, we're just not done because the enemy's not done, okay? So... You need to understand that there's a lot of things that are available and a lot of things that are put out. There's a lot of different opinions. And you say, well, Pastor Rob, how do I know which one is right? Well, number one, if it's right, it's always going to line up with the Word of God, right? And number two, there's going to be a peace in your spirit, not a peace in your mind, all right? And so there are things that are out there. And and there's things that are true, and then there's things that are opinion. And you got to learn to decipher the difference between somebody sharing their opinion and what they really feel like the Lord is saying. Amen. And I know you're saying, well, Pastor Rob, you know, give us your input on the details. Well, I'm going to give you my input because the details don't matter. I'm not saying that they, they won't have an impact, but in the overriding part and the grandest part of this, the details of what's going to happen or not having are not going to happen are not there to change our course. And what I mean by that is I don't mean we don't make adjustments, but I'm talking about our mandate as the body of Christ does not change. And it is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is to make a difference in the world in which we live. Amen. So I, uh, this may seem a little odd, but I want to talk to you about obedience in the midst of the storm. Obedience in the midst of the storm. So if you want to go in your, in your Bible, go on your, your phone, whatever you got this morning, Matthew chapter 8. Verse 18, it says, And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, it says he gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And so the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds 
and the sea obey him. Now I want you to jump over real quick to Mark. Because okay, it's the same story, but I want you to see uh, it's, it's written a little bit different. Mark chapter 8. I don't think that's right, is it? It's not, is it? Hold on. I have it written down wrong. Hey, that's just part of it, isn't it? Just hold on. It's a bad part when you're writing it down. Do I? Is that Mark chapter 4? I don't want to flip through here. Okay, thank you very much. All right, so listen to what it says. It says in verse 35, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they woke him, saying, teacher, now listen to what they said, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind uh, and the waves or the sea obey him? You know, um, when you read that passage, that word storm is not like we had last night. Like it's not just a little storm. It actually was a tempest, and it actually, one of the definition is winds coming from all four corners into one place. So it was, it was like a gale force wind that they are traveling in, that they are facing. So it's not like it was just this light thing. This was a tempest. This was a storm. And it's interesting that the, if you look at the, and study that out a little bit more, it means a shaking, a commotion, or a cause to tremble. It also means to agitate the mind. Sound familiar? Huh? Sound familiar? Anybody have their mind agitated lately? Right? So that's what he's talking about. And so... I want to just kind of dig into this story for just a couple of minutes here and share a few things with you. But I want you to understand that as far as you and I, our job is not just to fix the storm. Our job is to be obedient in the middle of the storm. Whatever that obedience looks like is what we need to be doing and what we need to be about. If you will and I will learn to be obedient in the midst of the storm, then whatever that looks like, God will give us the wisdom to deal with the storm or to be able to walk through the storm so that we have victory and we're able to overcome in any situation. And many times we're so distracted by the storm itself that we can't even hear the voice of God in the midst of the storm and we don't even know what to do. And we find ourselves paralyzed like the disciples were. And it's amazing that the very first thing that they forgot or that they did not pay attention to is they forgot the very word of the Lord that he had given them. And the Bible says that he commanded them that we go to the other side. 
It wasn't a, hey, let's just take a trip and see if this works. Jesus told them, the Bible says in Matthew, he commanded them and said, listen, let's go to the other side. We're going to the other side. And if Jesus says we're going to the other side, what does that mean? Right, it's not rocket science. It means we're going to the other side, right? So whatever word from the Lord that God has given you, that he has spoken to you, he has designed that to where he is going to make sure that if you will be obedient in the midst of the challenge to it, that he'll see to it and, and, and that you are able to walk out the obedience of what he's telling you to do. And many times we're not really looking for, to be obedient to anything. Many times we're looking for a quick fix. But Jesus commanded them. So, so what happened is, is all they saw was the problem and they had forgotten the word of the Lord. Amen. Now I'm telling you, you need to get that. You need to, if you don't have it, you need to write it down. And, and the problem is, is that sometimes we haven't even spent enough time with Jesus or gotten close enough to him to even get the word of the Lord in the first place. Because we're distracted by life, we're distracted by other things, and we'll get the word of our friends, we'll get the word of the latest news program, we'll get the word of Facebook, but do you have the word of the Lord? Do you have the word of the Lord? If you go, and, and it's in Luke chapter 1, and it's, it's, I think, 47, somewhere in there, where the angel had appeared to Mary. And the Bible says in the Amplified, it says, no word from God is without power or impossible of fulfillment. You see, I don't care what my friends say. And, and what I mean by that is that I'm not going to hang my life on what my friends say. I'm not going to hang my life based on what Facebook says. I'm not going to hang my life on those things. I want a word from God for my life so that I have something I can stand on. So the second thing is that they went to Jesus and they said these words. They, says, they said, uh, teacher, do you not care? Do you not care? Jesus, don't you care about what's going on? Jesus, don't you care about this disease? Don't you care? This is the first question that people ask. Well, if God, if there's a God, then why do we have all of this other stuff happening? In other words, if we have a God, why doesn't he care? And Jesus is laying there, he's asleep, and they wake him up, and the first thing they respond to him is, is hey, don't you care? Now listen, we are perishing. And that word perishing is not like, hey, things are going bad. The word perish means to die. Don't you care? We are dying here. Don't you care, we are, 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 we're in a position to where we're going to lose our lives. Don't you care? And I don't know about you, but I have felt that way towards the Lord before in my life and said, Lord, don't you care about what's happening? And of course, Jesus does care because he got up and what did he do? In that moment, he rebuked the wind and the waves. And, you know, I've heard it preached, and they say, well, the disciples should have rebuked the wind and the waves. They didn't even know it was possible. So don't put on them what they didn't even have truth of. 
Because when he did it, they said, wow, who is this man that he can control or he can have a say over the wind and the waves? You know, sometimes we add stuff to things in order to, 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 to look at it and say, well, you know, they should have known better. No, they just should have known Jesus. Amen? And I'm going to show you that in a minute. Listen, number one is that they questioned his love for them. And what that means is, is that they were victims of a storm. They were victims. In their mind, they were victims of something that was happening to them and that caused them to question Jesus and say, don't you care about me? After all, I'm a victim of what's happening. Let me tell you something. You can't be a victim and a victor at the same time. It's not possible. You have to choose at some point that I'm not going to live my life as a victim of life but I'm going to live my life through obedience to Jesus Christ and he's the one that's going to give me the victory in spite of what may come against me in life. The other thing I want you to understand about that is that God's not moved by our neediness. Don't you care? I have a need, God, don't you care? God's not moved by you and I, just our neediness. I'm not saying God doesn't care about your needs. I said he doesn't, he's not moved by your neediness. See, he's already made provision for your needs. He's already made provision to take care of you. He's already set all of those things that were set in motion when Jesus died on the cross for you and he was raised again. Actually, they were set in motion before the foundations of the world. He made a way to take care of you and he made a way to take care of me. And so what happens is, is we keep going to God based on our neediness instead of going to God based on his supply. And then the last thing is, is that they were paralyzed, I'm going to say it this way, by the voice of the storm. Isn't it interesting that when you deal with this world, and it's more and more prevalent, is that when you deal with unrighteousness, unrighteousness response is to shout louder. You listening to me? Unrighteousness does not want to sit down and have a conversation with you because it will be proven unrighteous. So the only thing that it can do is try to shout louder. Now listen to me. Because the enemy is trying to silence the voice of believers. He's trying to silence the voice of believers. And what I mean by that is that he's trying to get you and I to not be able to lift our voice in praise and worship to our God because that releases God's power. It's not just songs we sing. There's power in your praise. There's power in your worship. Faith is activated by our voice and by our action. And so we have to be able to declare it out of our mouth. And if the enemy can silence you, 
He will keep you and I quiet and keep us in a place where we're limited in our power. Jesus did not go around silently praying for everybody. When he taught the word, he didn't do it through osmosis or telekinesis. Now hear what I'm saying. And so, and, and, and when you look at the scripture, the first one is in Matthew 6, 8, 26, the Bible says he rebuked the storm. And in Mark, he said, peace be still. Basically, what he was saying to the storm is he was saying, be quiet. That's what he said. Be quiet. And in our life, you have to come to a place to where you're willing to stand up and silence the voice of unrighteousness, the voice of the storm, the voice of those things that are contrary to God, and begin to declare the voice of God, declare the word of God. But yet we'll sit and turn on the TV and we'll watch hours of Facebook and the latest thing and we'll listen to the voices and the word of the Lord is silent. And then we wonder why we're not seeing victory. We wonder why we're not overcoming. We're wondering why we're not making progress. And it's because we've allowed the enemy to shout louder. Louder doesn't make it more right. Louder doesn't make it righteous. And I'm going to tell you, even the blood of, of innocent people cries out to God. You can go back all the way to Cain and Abel. And he approached Cain and said, where's your brother? And he says, well, am I my brother's keeper? And he says, well, he says his blood's crying out. Let me tell you something. Injustice that's done towards people, their blood cries out. Make no mistake about it to think that God doesn't care or that he doesn't hear. But the enemy will try to pervert that to where it's a voice of unrighteousness. And there is a voice of antichrist. There is a voice of anarchy. There is that voice that's trying to shout louder than everything else in our nation. And the intent is not justice. The intent is destruction because that's all the enemy can do. And he's, the enemy's trying to use that to silence the voice of justice. The response of the disciples is whatever was in their heart is what came out. And it wasn't a heart filled with faith. That's why he said, where's your faith? What came out of their mouth was doubt, unbelief, being a victim. Jesus, don't you care? It was a response to the storm. And I, I listen, I'm not saying the storm wasn't real. I'm just saying that their response was not, excuse me, a response of faith. So listen to this. They were with the Prince of Peace, but they had no peace. They were with the author and finisher of their faith, but they had no faith. 
They were with the divine expression of love, but they questioned his love. See, you can be near Jesus, but not know Jesus. You can be in the same boat with Jesus, amen, but the word of God or Jesus isn't in you. See, you can come to church all day long and be near Jesus. See, he's here in this place by his presence. His spirit is in this place. Two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst of them. It's scripture. But you can come in week after week after week, and you can be as close as you want in proximity to him, but him never be in you to where you now have the same voice as he. You have the same mind as he. You have the same response as he because you are one together walking in relationship with him. And right now, that's the biggest issue with the church is we've spent so much time in the same boat with him, but every time the storm comes, because we haven't let him in us, all we have is a reaction instead of a response of faith. And I've said it from the beginning that we need to walk in wisdom and faith. But listen to me. Wisdom ends, wisdom stops, and what I mean by that is natural wisdom ceases to exist when it violates the word of God. It is no longer wisdom. The Bible says in Hebrews 10.25, don't forsake, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Don't forsake it. It doesn't mean that you can't miss church. He's saying don't forsake it. The enemy is trying to get the church in a place to where we forsake the assembling, to where we say we don't have to assemble anymore to be the church. We don't have to gather anymore to be the church, but yet that violates the very truth of what the Word of God says. It violates the very thing that God calls the church which is an assembly of people. And I understand time and and I understand wisdom and there's grace there. There's a work. But I'm telling you, we're coming to the times to where you're going to have to make a decision that come what may, I'm not forsaking. We've just had a taste of it, but it ain't over yet. And I'm not saying that out of fear because we are victors, not victims. There's nothing wrong with coming in and wearing a mask. There's nothing wrong with keeping distance. There's nothing wrong with those. I'm I'm not addressing any of that. I'm talking about, though, the attitude or the heart of forsaking. Because that's what the enemy wants to do, as he wants to keep you and I from being able to gather together. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 4, it says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, our faith. And James says, faith without works is dead. Let me give you another example. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49, Jesus gave a parable and he said, he who hears these sayings of mine, he says, basically, let me tell you who he's like. 
says, he who hears these sayings of mine and does them. Hears these sayings of mine and does them. All right? He said, he is like the man who digs deep, digs a hole, digs it deep. So what does that mean? It means it took him some time. It took him some effort. It took him some diligence to dig deep to get to the, to the rock. And he built his house on the rock. And when the storms came, it withstood the storms. You see, being a Christian is not being absent from storms. Being a Christian is being victorious in, over, around, through storms. And the unsaved are watching you and how you react in the storm. That is your testimony. And he said, then there's the man who builds his house on the sand, and when the same storms come, it destroys the house, and it says great was its fall. Now listen to me. There's a couple of things here that I want you to to grasp, and that is, is that in the storm... I mean, the one who built his house on the rock, we know that to be the rock of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ, amen, the revelation of his word, that you build your house on the word of God, that you build your house on the word of the Lord, you build your house on his truth. The one who built, and and that rock is unshakable. That rock is unmovable. In other words, you're building on, when you build your life on the foundation of the word of God, you build it on the foundation of the word of the Lord, the word of truth. You build your life on that foundation, then come what may, it cannot shake you. It will not allow the storm to bring terror terror into your life. It will not allow the storm to rob you of your peace and to rob you of your joy. That's what's building on that foundation. It's not just some cute biblical story. I'm building on the truth of the promises of God that the Bible says are yes and amen in Christ. In him, they're yes and amen. Now listen. If you've ever been to the beach, and some of you, maybe you haven't, but sand, every time the the storm surge comes in, sand moves. (laughs) I mean, we've been to the beach several times after hurricanes and and watched how it, it cut out 10, 15 feet of the sand, and you have like a drop this big because the storm surge is just eating away at the sand. Well, the contrast of the rock, which is the word of God and the wisdom of God, would be the sand, which is the wisdom of men. See, if you build your life on the wisdom of men, the wisdom, the Bible calls it, of this age, if you build your life on that, then when the storms come, you're not going to be able to stand because the wisdom of the age changes. There are things that are believed today that were, would have never been believed 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 
50 years ago. And I don't mean in a good way. I mean just changing. And now we live in a time where, according, if you go back and you can read the, in, in the Word of God, it says they did what was right in their own eyes. Well, I know that's what the unchanging Word of God says, but this is my opinion. So it's like, hey, I'm going to exchange the rock of the word and I'm going to just build my life on my opinion. And then we don't understand why that doesn't last, why that doesn't work, why that doesn't produce a continual peace, a continual joy, a continual strength. And it's because it's not possible. It's not possible because the, the, the sand, the sand is changed by the sea. Now listen to me. If you read in the scripture and it talks about the seas, many times the seas have to do with humanity. It's humanity. So with humanity, there's changing tides, there's changing opinion, there's changing ways with humanity, and they erode the wisdom of the age. But when you dig past all of that, see, you dig through it. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean the sand isn't there. It doesn't mean you don't walk on the sand. It doesn't mean that the sand has no impact but I don't build my life on it. I dig past the sand. I dig past the wisdom of this age. I dig past the wisdom of this time frame. I dig past the wisdom of this world. And I dig down until I hit the bedrock of the word of God. And that's where I set the footings of my life. And if I'll be obedient to do that, then when the storms come, and it's not an if, it's a when, when the storms do come, I may have to brace myself a little bit. I may have to put myself in a position to stand against something. Ephesians having done all to stand, stand. That word, second word stand is not because he stuttered. It means to stand in a certain posture. I've done all I know to do to stand, so I'm going to stand my ground, and I'm not going to give in. The Bible says that the gates of hell, Jesus told Peter, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What was he talking about? The revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not that, 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 that we're afraid of hell. It's that hell wouldn't be able to hold the church back. And I'm going to tell you something right now. It, the, the sad thing is, is that we've come to a place to where we've let sickness and disease, which is under the curse, it's under the gates of hell, and we've let it become to dictate our life. And again, I'm not talking about not using wisdom. You can go back in, in Bible days and lepers had colonies. I mean, I'm not saying that we don't use wisdom and do our best with that. Please don't take that out of context. I'm saying, though, that at some point, you will have to make that decision. And I'm not getting on to anybody. I don't want to make anybody feel bad. I'm not trying to condemn. I'm not doing any of that. 
I'm just telling you, the decision's going to come. Because you're going to have to choose between the forsaking. Forsaking because of the wisdom of men. Or doing what you know to do is right. Amen. And everybody will have to make that decision in their time. Does that make sense? So it's not right for you to look at your brother and say, well, you know, you need to just get it together. No, that's not what you do. That's wrong. Okay, so we're not here to point fingers at one another. Amen. You're responsible and you're accountable to the Lord. It's based on what is the word of the Lord to you. And don't come tell me, well, you know, well, this is the word, and it doesn't line up with Scripture. Don't, those things don't go together. Amen. Listen, Jesus said we're going to the other side. When, when the church was birthed, the church was established, it wasn't conditional. It wasn't as long as everything was okay and everything was right and everything was good. It was established on purpose to accomplish and fulfill. And that's you. That's you. That's me. That's us working together. And God wants you to be able to walk in victory. The Bible says whatever's born of God overcomes the world. Man, praise God. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. It's your faith. But faith without obedience isn't faith. It's a good intention. And good intentions don't overcome anything. But faith does. And listen, you are able. Amen. You are able. You are able. The enemy wants to tell you you're not, but you are. You have what it takes. You are able to overcome. You are able to have victory in your life. That, that is part of your covenant right as a child of God is having and walking in victory. It's not perfect, but it's yours. Amen. And if you'll be obedient through the storm, then you'll be able to walk in victory. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen, this isn't the time to be fearful. It's not the time to be discouraged. It's not the time to be any of that. It's the time to be obedient. Amen. We've got a job to do. We've got a world to reach. Amen. And God is working. And God's working through his people. And I said it before, the first place that we need to see victory over racial things is in the house. It's within us. Because if we don't love one another and walk in love with one another, then the world isn't going to do that. Amen. So I want you to understand, please understand, I'm not, I'm not demeaning the justice part. It is very real. Okay. And I can sit here and give you recent examples of firsthand accounts of what I know. And so that is real today. But as believers, we need to walk in love. We need to do our part with one another and love our brothers and sisters. And you can go back and listen to messages on that. But I want you to know that, that we have an adversary and we need to not be ignorant and we need to be sober 
in our times. Sober. Not afraid, not fearful, but sober. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.